0: All right, you ready? Road trip with Jesus, episode six, and action. Question, have you ever done something, said something, experienced something that after it happened, you wished that you could just rewind the tape and have that moment again? Me too. I remember in my early 20s, I was working for an Australian rules football team down in Fremantle, and uh, on one of the days off, Um, I was uh, just walking around Fremantle, and I bumped into the coach and his wife, and they'd had a baby maybe six months prior, and they're pushing the baby around in the pram, and I said to them, beautiful, good to see you guys out here. I looked at her, and I said, oh, are you pregnant again? And she said, no. And I thought, man, if only life came with a rewind button, because I would love to have that moment again and choose my words very differently. But chances are you have had a oh, I wish I could rewind moment in your life. And it may be like me, something you've said. It may be something you've done. Or actually, maybe something that was done to you. And, you, and, it, and it may be something that was one off. Or it may have even been a pattern or a season that you're now living with the consequences of that. And you think, man, if only I could just rewind to just before, knowing what I know now, having experienced what I'm experiencing now, if only I could just rewind. And just, just, just before that moment, and, and, and have that opportunity again, and, and, and say things differently, think things differently, choose things differently, maybe avoid things differently. But you and I both know life doesn't come with a rewind button. But here's the good news, and this is what I want to dial into today. Jesus doesn't give us a rewind button, but he does give us a second chance, so I want to airdrop us into one of the many things that happened in Jesus' life on the various road trips that he took uh, in, in the Elev- our Elevate app. You can uh, open that up, tap the Bible tile. It's going to take you to something that John recorded about Jesus' life. It's in chapter 8. And uh, we've been road tripping through some of Jesus' life and some of the things that he's done. Some of those have been miracles, looking at various miracles. He he healed a man uh, with a crippled hand and we talked about the road to healing. Uh, Louis talked about the road to resilience where Jesus and some of his uh, merry men were on a boat in a lake and, and and a storm came. And by the way, some of his followers that were on that boat were experienced fishermen and this storm, they thought they were going to die See, it's like the cabin crew. When the cabin crew start panicking, that's when you know you're in trouble, okay? When the fishermen on the boat start thinking, this one's gonna take us out, you know you're in trouble. And Jesus calmed that storm. Jesus was known for his miracles. Jesus was also known for his teaching. Last week, I talked about road to greatness and something that Jesus taught about using our influence for others, that, that, that serving without expectation is the posture that we're meant to take in our life. Today, I want to look at something that's not a miracle, and nor is it something that Jesus taught. However, it's just as important as any miracle Jesus ever performed and anything that Jesus ever taught. So here's how uh, John records this particular slice of Jesus' life. Jesus road tripped across to the Mount of Olives, and then he road tripped Back to the temple, that's the Elevate version in case you're wondering. Swarms of people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the religion scholars, now by the way, this swarms of people, th- this is important to understand, this was a problem for the religious leaders. Jesus was becoming s- more popular than, than them. His, he was growing in influence that was starting to surpass them. And so they felt very threatened by Jesus. Understand that? That's the, that's the context of what was about to happen. So the religion scholars and the Pharisees, they led in a woman who'd been caught in an act of adultery and they stood her in plain sight of everyone. Now, we don't even use this word adultery anymore. Adultery means having sex with someone that you're not married to, okay? We don't use it now because it's not even a big deal. In fact, if you watch television, they make fun of the virgin, not of the person being caught in the act of adultery. But in this day, this was a big deal. But because we don't understand it, I thought, well, what would be a parallel? What would be the equivalent? What would give us some kind of maybe insight into what this moment might have been like for the woman? So let's just suppose... That we uh, push pause on this message, and what we do is we get you up, each one of you, one at a time, and we stand you right in the front, you've got to look out, light on you, and we, we put a little sort of montage of all of the stupid things you've done, the dumb things you've said, the thoughts that you had that you're glad no one knew you had. We collected some video interviews with the people you've hurt. And we just ran that and you were standing there and you could say nothing. You couldn't explain anything. You weren't allowed to give any context to that. Oh yeah, but th- no, shut up. Stand there and let us watch the stuff that you had hoped no one was gonna catch you doing. That's, that's kind of what this situation was like for this woman. Not cool, right? Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Now that's just awkward right there. (laughs) Moses, in the law, gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Remember, he's threatening their influence, threatening their popularity, so they're trying to catch him out. So they pull this stunt Jesus has walked into the temple, innocent. He started teaching people who were coming to hear more of God's word and, and what that means for their life, not a crime. But because of the threat that Jesus was placing on the established religious leaders of the day, they were trying to trap him and using various tricks to do so. So this was their latest stunt. Go out and find someone doing the dance with no pants with someone that they're not married to, bring them into the temple, throw them in front of everybody and in front of Jesus and say to Jesus, okay, here's what the law says, what do you say? And they would have thought in this moment, they, we, man, it's good to be us. We are such a bunch of clever dicks in this moment because, because they knew in that moment that they had Jesus cornered. They had him caught because if Jesus had said to them, no, we shouldn't stone her to death, he would have actually been going against God's law and therefore disqualifying himself as a son of God. How can you claim to be the son of God when you don't even do what God instructs us to do? So, he, so they knew if he took that route, he's out. He's done. You're done, man. You, we've, we've blown your cover. You were never the son of God, and now everyone knows. Or if Jesus had said, yep, let's stone this woman to death, that actually the Roman authorities would have had cause to take him away because the Romans who had conquered the Jews, they had removed the right for anybody except Rome to order the execution of any citizen within the Roman Empire at the time. And so if Jesus had said, yes, stone her, the Pharisees could have got got on the phone, called the Romans, and they would have come and arrested Jesus. So they thought he was, le- he was done. He, he, like, his two options, were he, was, he was cooked either way, backed into a corner. Well, you know one thing that I've learned about Jesus? Nobody puts Jesus in the corner. You need to tell Rochelle that I dropped that one and she, and she was not here. I had her in mind, Jared. I really did. <clears throat> <laughs> Shall I do the Patrick Swayze lift now? <laughs> now, before I show you what Jesus actually did, let me just, let me just h- highlight a little sidebar here. And I've and I've highlighted the words, was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Do you know that you can find people doing the wrong thing anytime you go looking for it? Do you know that some people spend a lot of their time, a lot of their energy, and give a lot of attention to finding other people doing the wrong thing. Do their office break rooms, school teacher staff rooms, family lounge rooms, and unfortunately, some churches are populated with people who specialize in finding other people who are doing the wrong thing. The perfect people sitting around gossiping about the imperfect people. One thing I've learned is if you don't become one of those people, over time those people will be less likely to look for you to share their gossip because they've learned over time that you don't bite the bait that they put in front of you. Now I've done this in my own life I don't gossip to people. By the way, little pro tip, people that gossip to you will also gossip about you, so don't share anything with them. Oh, how did that get out? (laughs) Really. But also, don't listen to them. So, So not only don't gossip, because by the way, you're not perfect either, nor am I. But don't listen to gossip. Change the climate in your family, change the climate in your workplace, change the climate in your community. I've got my life at age five, zero, I've got my life down to, I only have one person who persists in trying to gossip to me. I'm down to one. And I ain't giving up till that number's zero. But I'm down to one. It's an extended family member, so I can't kill them. Uh, so, so it's, And it's not Louis. No, it's not... But, here, but here's what happens. I'm sitting, I'm dining, whatever I'm doing on one side of the table and uh, exhibit A rolls in and says, hey, did you hear about the... I don't even let them finish the sentence because it's the same script every time. So I give them the same script every time. No, I didn't hear about them and I don't want to hear about them. You would think that's the end of it. <laughs> they then say, yeah, but I just... And I say... I know what you just—you just want to tell me this one thing. But then next week, you just want to tell me another one thing. I'm not interested. And if you continue to, I just—I literally, I literally get up and I walk away. I do. That's it. You've taken the wind out of the. St- they'll. No, they, they go and find someone else. But it's—but it's not you. And you're not perpetuating that. So here's my pro tip. Don't be like the religious leaders and look for people doing the wrong thing. Be someone who prides themselves on trying to catch people doing the right thing. Catch your kids doing the right thing. Catch your spouse doing the right thing. Catch your colleagues doing the right thing. Catch your employees doing the right thing. Catch your neighbours doing the right thing. And, and watch your influence grow as you do that. Now, <coughs> it doesn't mean... We should just stand by idly as in when people we love are doing things in their own life that's less than God's best. Because sometimes God will use you and use me to be the actual vehicle that points someone away from what they're doing that's less than God's best and gives them a second chance to actually realign themselves and point their life and their... Choices in their words and their thoughts and their actions in the direction of God's best. So we don't judge them. We don't criticize them but but there may be a role. Sometimes God uses me in someone else's life and if I've got a platform of trust with them so I'm not just running around doing a hit and run at everybody that moves, everybody that's doing something less than God's best but if I've got A relationship with someone that's built on a very solid platform of trust which is built over time and I see them doing something that's less than God's best I literally say these words to them and I I, this is I've scripted this I say these exact words and some of you know this because I've said these exact words to some of you I've said to them and these are my words question if I noticed you doing something that was less than God's best Would you want me to point that out to you? So so I asked for permission. Because I love them. And I I want them to recalibrate over to God's best. It's not being judgy. It's not being pretending I'm perfect. and, And it's not imposing my will on them. I'm not God's policeman. But there's a place that God can use you in the life of someone with whom you've got a relationship and have developed a platform of trust, for you to say to them, question, if I noticed you doing something that was less than God's best, would you want me to point that out? Here's what happens so far. I'm only halfway there in my life, but at the halfway mark, I've never had somebody say no. Platform of trust has been established, and I'm asking permission. If they say no, I'm done. That's it. Cool. No problem. But if they say yes, I say, cool, well, here's the thing, and here's why I've just noticed that. And what happens after that is that person says to me, you know what? Anytime you see me doing something that's less than God's best, can you please point it out? Yep, and I'll say to them, and I'd like you to do the same for me. Let's love each other enough to tell them, other person, you got spinach in your teeth. your fly's undone. I had to watch you preach for 30 minutes and it was very awkward. (laughs) And I say, why didn't you tell me before I got up here? (laughs) Now, here's the drum roll, the moment you've been waiting for. W, D, J, D, what did Jesus do? Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. So these religious leaders thought they had him cornered, thought his only options were don't throw a stone or yes, throw a stone. Go against God or go against the Romans. Jesus instead bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him, badgering him. He straightened up and said, The sinless one among you, you go first. You throw the stone. And bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. They thought they had him cornered. They thought they were presenting him with one of two options, both of which were going to go poorly for him. (laughs) And instead of Jesus throwing a stone... At this woman, Jesus threw a second chance. Hearing that, the religious leaders walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone, and Jesus stood up and spoke to her, Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? Now, I'm just imagining she's like, like she thought that was about to be it for her. And now the only person left is Jesus, and he's not carrying a stone. He's offering a second chance. No one, master. Well, the good news for you, sweetheart, is neither do I. Go on your way, and from now on, don't sin. Jesus doesn't condemn. It's great news, huh? And Jesus doesn't condone. <laughs> That's the harder one. We love the not condemning part. And then Jesus says, yeah, but what you're doing is less than God's best. And so I want you now to change the trajectory of your behavior. He doesn't condemn and he doesn't condone. If you scroll back up in John's account of Jesus' life, you'll come across when Jesus first entered the picture, John records about him. The word was, was uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word dwelt among us. And then, and then, Je- and then John wrote, writes this thing about Jesus. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And truth. Now, grace, just to give you a dictionary definition, grace means like mercy, forgiveness, you know, Jesus giving us what we don't deserve uh, when we've sinned. So John makes the point that Jesus came to this earth full of grace and full of truth. Not grace or truth, vacillating between the two, not half full of grace and half full of truth, but Jesus came, full noise, full of grace and truth. Now, in church world, and I'm not saying this to be judgy or to pick on any other churches, but there are some churches who pride themselves and they'll tell you, we're a grace church. That is, we're a grace church. Come to our church because we're a grace church. And uh, then there's other churches that say, well, don't go to those grace churches. Come to our church. We're a truth church. We're, We're about the truth. And, uh, and the grace churches, you know, it's all about love and acceptance and no condemnation. And the truth churches are all about, well, God says, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord says. Uh, you're pathetic. Uh, Jesus wouldn't be happy with you at this point in your life. Well, That's the truth. But Jesus didn't come and we as the body of Christ are meant to reflect him full of grace or truth, that actually there's this incredible demonstration throughout Jesus' life of grace and truth. Because here's the thing. If we only focused on grace... we would establish an enabling culture. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It flippin' matters! No, it doesn't. Jesus loves you. We're a grace church. And insiders over time in that context can become dysfunctional. And we just enable that dysfunction. Jesus doesn't judge you. No, he doesn't judge you! And then outsiders... Who, yeah, sure, great. I, I want to come in as an outsider, come into a church and know that you're going to accept me just as I am. And we demonstrate 100% grace to new people that we do accept you just as you are. But here's the thing. Just acceptance gets real old real quick because some of you come to Jesus and say, accept me as I am. Now I've got a question. Can you help me with my marriage? Jesus, I'm glad you accept me as I am, but I've got this dysfunctional pattern of behavior. Can you empower me to change the trajectory because the consequences of that are killing me and killing the people around me? Jesus, can you change my health? Can you help me with my finances? Can you restore some broken pieces and broken promises in my heart? We accept you and we love you, but is that all you got? Well, then there's the truth, church. If we were just a truth church, let me tell you what happens with insiders if you're just a truth church. Sin doesn't disappear. It just goes underground. It just hides. Sin becomes secret. And secret sins breed sickness. The masks go on. People turn up in their Sunday best. Sunday best not the tie and the polished shoes. Sunday best is this veneer that I'm perfect And I'm going to project that to you. That's what a 100% truth church will do to insiders. You can't say anything because someone's going to ram a Bible verse down your throat. (coughs) And then, outsiders, who wants to turn up to that? Jesus condemns you. Have some coffee, (laughs) it might be poisoned. Jesus doesn't condemn and he doesn't condone. And here's but here's the magic. Here's the secret source. Here's what Jesus does. He's full of grace and truth, but here's what he did with this woman. He showed her grace, then truth. Sweetheart, does anyone condemn you? Well, nor do I. Now go away. And stop doing that now go away and start pointing your life towards god's best grace and truth but it's grace then truth jesus doesn't give us a rewind button but he does give us a second chance and i want to give you an opportunity this morning to actually say yes to that very same jesus to actually put your trust in Him, to put your faith in Him. If you've never done that before, and it may be because you've never even been in a church before, or maybe you have been in a church before, and yet you've never made that personal decision to follow Him. I grew up in a church. It wasn't until I was 24 that I made the decision personally to say, Jesus, I wanna, I'm going to follow you. I was a church person, but not until that moment a Jesus follower. And I had to make that decision, I, and I made that decision, and it was a game-changer. So I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never made that decision to say yes to following Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. And and I'm going to do it exactly how I did it when I was 24. And all that is, is is in a moment, for those of you that want to make that decision this morning, I just want you to put your hand up. And you're saying to Jesus, that's me. That's me. That's the decision. That's the next step I'm taking this morning. I'm going to start road tripping with you, but not just from a distance, but I actually want to put my faith in you. And when I see a hand... I'll acknowledge you. You can put it down. And, and I'm just going to pray from here for you without bringing you up the front or doing anything awkward. So for those of you that have never made that decision to follow Jesus, right here, right now, put your hand up, and I'll see your hand, and you can put it down, and then I'm going to pray for you. And we don't wanna, I don't want to miss anybody. And if you've never made that decision, it, it, it's not a coincidence you're here, and it's not a coincidence this opportunity is being made available to you right now. Good on you, sweetheart. That's fantastic. Boy, I'm glad I've got 2020 vision. That was this one. (laughs) Good. I like it. Who else? Hey, let's pray, huh? So I'm going to say a a line of a prayer. I'm just going to kind of riff. And I want you to repeat that line after me. And let's kind of pray together, especially that person that lifted the hand. And at the end of that, just so you know, in case you forgot or in case you didn't know, God says that in that moment when somebody makes a decision to put their trust in Jesus, that the entirety of heaven rejoices. It's pretty cool. Birthday cake like you never even imagine. So let's us, when we finish praying, join in that celebration, huh? Pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I decide to follow you to put my trust in you. I thank you in this moment that you forgive me, that you show me grace. And I commit from this day forward to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Heaven rejoiced and Elevate did too.